Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. In May of last year, I was playing goalkeeper for our indoor football team. At one point in the second half, I dived to my left to make a save and fell quite awkwardly on my shoulder. But I continued to play, and only when I got home did I realize the full extent of the damage and the pain of my shoulder. In fact, my my shoulder was so hurt, it was in, in so much pain that I could not even lift up a pillow on my bed. So, so in pain was my shoulder. But like any good macho man, I went to sleep and said, just give it time, just give it some rest, and I'll be good. There I was, four to five months later, still injured, still hurt, still in pain, and eventually I decided, you know what, I need to do something about this, because now it's not just pain occasionally, it's actually affecting my daily life. So I got hold of a biokineticist in our church, met up with him, he put me on a rehab program for my shoulder, and while I'm not 100% yet, I am headed in the right direction. You know, church, during those four to five months, I had been carrying around hurt and pain that was never properly dealt with. And and I looked fine on the outside, but underneath, I was carrying something which I didn't want to admit, but was affecting my daily life. You know, I believe this morning that there are many people who are sitting here in the service who are carrying around a measure of hurt and pain, that if you were honest with yourself, you would say, I haven't actually dealt with that. And and you look good on the outside, you come to church, you raise your hands in worship, but if you're real honest with yourself, there's something inside that you haven't dealt with that's now affecting your daily life. You're sitting here, hurting. Somewhere in life, you got injured. Maybe you were hurt by a spouse. Maybe you were hurt by a trusted friend. Maybe you've been hurt by a family member, parents. Maybe you were hurt by a colleague. Maybe you were hurt by your boss. Maybe you were hurt and you were a victim of crime, hijacking or or some sort of crime. Someone invaded your home. Maybe you've been hurt by someone in church. Maybe you were hurt by someone in life who overlooked you, rejected you abandoned you, forgot about you, spoke ill of you, didn't see the potential within you. Whether it's something minor or whether it's something huge, I think all of us, if we're honest, we would have to admit that we do carry around some measure of hurt. The book of Luke chapter 15. It's a story that many of us will know quite well. It's a story of the prodigal son. And to give you a little bit of context, we have the prodigal son, he's, uh, he's the younger brother, if you will, in, the, in, the, in his father's home, and he says to his father, I want my share of the inheritance. And his father says, very well, he gives him his share of the inheritance. The prodigal son runs off to foreign lands and he squanders his wealth in wild living, in wild parties, in prostitutes, but by the grace of God, he reaches a point of repentance and he decides he needs to come back to the father. The father embraces him as a loving father would. It's a wonderful story. 
Because that's you and I. You and I were far from God. We reached repentance, and the Father welcomed us home. And we love that story, but there's a character we often overlook in that story. And that's the older brother. We're going to pick up in Luke 15, verse 25, and this is where the son has returned, and the father is throwing a feast and a party for the younger son. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants, and he asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come back, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry. How many of you know when you are hurt, you cannot celebrate people? He was angry, and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, not even a brother, just a son, Nochal. When the son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the, cat, the fattened calf for him. Now if you read that at face value, it seems that the issue at hand is that the younger brother is getting a party and the older son has not. The younger brother is getting blessed by his father and the older brother's being left out. But if you go a few verses back in verse 12, this is the problem. Look what it says in verse 12. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So the older brother already had his share of inheritance. So the older brother already had access to everything, which tells me the issue wasn't the party, the issue wasn't the fattened calf. It tells me that there was an issue that the older brother had not dealt with between him and his father or him and the younger son, which likely stemmed not weeks, not months, but years. Because what does he say to his father? All these years I've worked, which says to me the older brother had harbored some hurts that he didn't properly deal with. And this is the thing, that hurt, that pain, that wound that the brother never, never dealt with, all that pain came out when someone simply prodded at his point of pain. Have you ever lashed out at someone? Or maybe someone did something minor and you had a freak out, you had a, a, an angry response, you were agitated, you were upset, but when you got home and you calmed down, you realized that was a little bit of an overreaction. Anyone ever had that before? You see, here's the thing. The thing that person said wasn't that big of a deal. The thing that person did in that moment wasn't that big of a deal. But when that person did something, what they did was they prodded a point of pain that reminded you of an injury that you haven't yet dealt with. If you're married here today, that often comes out. 
Often in marriage, we'll snap or we'll say something, and it's not the moment. It's not the thing. He just left his socks on the floor. She just left that. She just forgot. It's not that thing. I mean, really, it's not that big of a deal, but it touched a point of pain that made me realize I haven't dealt with something, and I'm carrying around hurts that I need to deal with. Dwight L. Carson, in his book, Overcoming Hurt and Anger, says this, people are like volcanoes. They can lay dormant for long periods, but when there is enough heat and pressure, an eruption occurs. Friend, I want to tell you this morning, it is not God's desire that you would go around carrying and living hurt. God wants you to experience the healing power of Jesus Christ. Jesus can heal you today. Jesus can restore you today. Jesus can mend your wounds today. And I'm trusting that in this service, that if you would be vulnerable, that God's Holy Spirit is going to prod where it hurts. But unlike other people, he's going to heal because only Jesus can truly heal. If you would be vulnerable enough, because here's the thing about hurt. Hurt is not just a mental thing. Hurt is a soul thing. And only God can heal the soul. Because I'm reminded of Psalm 23. It says, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but then in verse 3 it says, he restores my soul. Maybe you feel like you're in a bit of a valley today. He is the restorer of your soul. So I want to speak this morning from the subject, moving from hurt to healed. Moving from hurt to healed. Maybe somewhere in your life you tried to deal with hurt with the same attitude and in the same way that I tried to deal with my shoulder. Just give it time. It'll be good. It'll be fine. But if you're completely honest, you've come to realize that actually time hasn't made you any better. In fact, if anything, maybe time has made you a little bit bitter. And instead of dealing with your hurt, much like the older brother, you have become a master of camouflaging your hurts. So from the outside, you look good, but if you look within, you're actually still hurt. But can I say this today, church? Just because your hurt is hidden does not mean your hurt has been healed. Hidden hurt is not healed hurt. And I really sense this morning that God's Spirit is going to unearth some hurt that you've tried to hide for protection, for keeping keeping yourself safe. But as long as you allow the Holy Spirit to do something, He can heal you. Pastor Mark Driscoll says this, if the problem is in the past, but the pain is in the present, then the problem continues. I want to remind you this morning, we serve a God whose name is Jehovah Rapha. Our God is healer. You might be heartbroken today. Your spirit might be crushed this morning. Your marriage might be breaking down. Your friendships might be in a troubled position. Maybe even your faith is deteriorating. But I want to encourage you that if we hold on to God's word, as we look to God and we let God's spirit in this morning, our God can heal and our God can free you from the burden that you're carrying. Because Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, for the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How many of you believe the Spirit of the Lord is present here today? So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But I'd like to just add my own little note there if Paul would allow me. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom to the person who's willing to be vulnerable to God. Because as long as we keep up a wall or we hold on to something, We have to be vulnerable for God to do something. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to give you three truths about hurt, 
and then a few practical ways that we can go out and we can deal with our hurt. Do you think it'll help you? I trust it will. Truth number one is this. We might not get over something, but we can move past something. We might not get over something, but we can move past something. Put it a little differently. We might never forget something, but we can determine that we will no longer hurt the way we do today. You know, there's messages that preachers preach that stick in your mind forever. Pastor Andre preached a message a few years ago entitled, Moving Past What You Can Never Get Over. And it's one of those messages, I'm sure many of you will remember it, it's one of those messages that freed people, and it's one of those messages that just stuck. Because in a nutshell, he essentially reminded the church that what you can never get past, you can get over. So while you might not easily forget something, you can move past something to the point where you're no longer in pain, where you're no longer hurting, and it's a mere scar and a testimony of what God took you through. We might not get over something, but we can get past something. That's why as I stand here today, I'm not standing here high and mighty saying, get over your hurt. Get over your pain, man. Come on, move. Get past it. It's, and I'm saying, God can heal you. God can restore you. And you might not forget about it, but it will no longer hold you hostage. Truth number two is this. Time alone cannot heal only God can. Time alone cannot heal. Only God can. I know people mean well when they say, friend, just give it time. Just give it time and you'll be okay. But can I say this today? With all well-meaning intention by all of us who have said that at some point, it's a fallacy. Time alone cannot heal. You see, here's the thing. If time alone could heal, then the young girl who was abused under the age of 10, by the time she's 30 and 40, she should be over it because time should heal. The young father who lost his son when he's 20 years later, he should be good because time alone heals. When you went through a severe breakup that caused immense pain, 10 years later when you meet someone else, you should be over it because time alone heals. But how many of you know that's not true? Because today we have hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of wounded adults walking around because they thought time alone could do what only God can. Time is a component of healing, but time is not the great healer. Think about it like this. Broken bones will always heal. However, if in the beginning they are not set properly by a surgeon... The body will grow new bone, but the challenge is that person is likely to walk with a limp for the rest of their lives. Here's the thing. Time may heal partially, but there are many Christians who are walking around with a spiritual and emotional limp because they never came to the feet of Jesus thinking time could do it. They camouflaged, they masked, and they hid, but they're walking around with a limp that is being expressed in all their relationships now. Only Jesus can make you whole. Only Jesus can set your brokenness. Only Jesus is the great surgeon, the great physician, the great savior, and the great healer. Friend, I want to tell you today, you can watch TED Talks all you want. You can give time all you want. You can do what you want. 
But until you bring your hurt to the feet of Jesus, you will always have a limp. Because only Jesus can heal. And only God can fully give us what the world cannot. See, that's why it says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You notice the scripture says this, come to me, all who are weary. You see, weariness and tiredness are different. Tiredness can be fixed by a good sleep. Weariness is tiredness of my soul. A good sleep can't cure me of weariness. And so Jesus says this, if, you, if you're weary, if you're burdened, which is a symptom of hurt and, and carrying around a measure of pain and brokenness, he says, come to me. Why does Jesus say, come to me? Because church, every human being that is carrying around hurt in the world is going somewhere. The question is not, are you going somewhere? The question is who, what, or where are you going to? Every hurt person is going somewhere. Some people are going to drugs. Some people are going to alcohol. Some people are going to friends they shouldn't be around. Some people are going to isolation. Some people are going to dark places. Some people are going to the club just to get rid of the moment. Come on. Everyone who's hurt is going somewhere. The question is, where are you going? That's why Jesus makes the statement, come to me. Because you can find rest in those other things for a moment, but I will give you rest for a lifetime. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, church. When you go to anywhere else but Jesus for healing, it's like taking an espresso shot when you're tired. You'll be high for a moment, but you'll come crashing straight down. Oh, you can take those drugs for a moment, but guess what? You'll come crashing down. You still carry the same hurt, the same pain, the same anger, the same bitterness. You can go to alcohol. You can go to the club. You can go to your friends. You can go to the, the wrong friends. You can go to all those things, and you can feel a moment of reprieve, but guess what? Boom. You wake up the next morning. You're carrying the same hurt, the same pain, the same difficulty. That's why Jesus says, come to me, because I'll give you true rest. I read this anonymous quote that goes like this, that which we don't surrender to God will haunt us and hurt us until we allow the Holy Spirit to heal us. Thank you for that clap. (laughs) Truth number three, what we hold on to, we stay connected to. What we hold on to, we stay connected to. I'm going to ask Carlito to come up. What you hold on to, you stay connected to. Until you decide, until you decide, not a feeling, until you decide that this hurt will no longer control my life, my viewpoint, it will not be the lens that I look through anymore. You will continue to be connected to that event, that season, that moment, that feeling, and that person. Come on, some of you have been connected to an event, feeling, person for decades because you haven't let it go. Can you close that for me there? Everywhere you go, your hurt goes. And just stay there for a moment. You can be on the other side of the world. I hope this doesn't snap back on you because you will be hurt. 
You can be on the other side of the world, 12,000 kilometers away, but until you have chosen and decided to let go, you are forever connected to that event. Listen, some of you, some of you, You've harbored so much hurt against a person that is not even in this world anymore, who's in eternity in heaven, but you are still connected because you've never let go, because here's the thing, hurt transcends time, it transcends space, it transcends seasons, and wherever you go, and here's the thing, church, here's the thing, every new relationship you get into, you carry the same hurt. Hi, Nelly, how are you? Don't think for a second that it remains between you and that person. When you meet new people, guess what? The hurt goes with you, the hurt goes with you, the hurt goes with you, and you wonder why sometimes when you enter a new relationship, and they go, man, what's going on? Because you've brought that hurt into your new relationship. And you can try to run all you want from that hurt, But until you decide, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Thank you. You have to disconnect. You have to decide. You have to cut the cord. Otherwise, you will remain hurt for the rest of your life. You'll be saved, but you'll limp into heaven. So what I want to do today is give you a few, few practical points to help us get over hurt. And I don't begin to profess that these are all wonderful. They'll, they'll get you through it. You'll walk out and you'll suddenly be like, I'm done. I'm actually, it's over. But I pray that they'd begin the healing process for you if you would decide. Number one is this. Put time into perspective. Put time into perspective. If you're carrying around hurt this morning, I want to encourage you to put time into perspective. James says this in chapter four. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there and we'll engage in business and we'll make a profit. Yet, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. For you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Church, life is short. Even in tragedy and difficulty, when it just seems like, man, life is so long, I've been through so much, in the scheme of eternity, life is short. And every single day that you decide to hold on to hurt is a day you give up of your life. It's a day you give up joy. It's a day you give up opportunity. It's a day you give up celebration. It's a day you give up that you will never, ever get back. And every time we stay connected to that hurt, we're losing time because we refuse to let go. Friend, letting go is for your purpose, for your healing. Pastor Andre said once, don't throw away your tomorrow because of the hurt of today. I read an article a few weeks ago in which a number of 80-year-olds were asked to write down their biggest life regrets. And we could probably write down many of them at whatever age you are right now. You could probably guess that some of them, the top 10 included, not traveling enough, not, uh, not uh, going full on for my dream. I regret not doing more for others. I regret not taking care of my body. But nestled in the top 10, there was one that simply read this, I regret not letting go 
of hurt. Church, I don't want to get to 80, 90, 100, whatever the Lord graces me with, and go, man, I should have let that go. I allowed that thing to define my entire life. I, def- I allowed it to define every relationship I was ever in. I allowed it to cause bitterness in my heart. I allowed it to affect my decisions. I allowed it to rob me of my joy. Friend, today you can decide that that thing is no longer gonna define my life. Friend, our, our, our theme for the year is new beginnings. It may be the end of, 20, uh, end of September in 2023, but you can have your new beginning from today. You can make a start today. Number two, the one that you probably don't want, but I'm going to talk about it, choose forgiveness. Some of you are like, please don't say forgive, please don't say forgive. Do you notice the word choose? Do you notice I didn't say feel forgiveness? Because friends, some of you are never going to feel like forgiving that other person for the rest of your life. Forgiveness is a decision that is followed by a process of healing. You know, forgiveness is a powerful tool only in the hands of the one who chooses to give it. But you know what I think the problem was, uh, our challenge with why we struggle to forgive? I think we struggle to forgive because we feel that by forgiving, we're releasing someone and thereby justifying what they did or what they said. Especially if it seems like it's a horrendous thing that's taken place. To forgive feels like there's no way. It feels unnatural. It's, it's like I'm, I'm justifying what they did was okay. I, there's no way I can forgive. But let me say two things about that. Number one, more than releasing them, you're releasing you. So if you think, how can I release them? Church, you're releasing yourself by choosing forgiveness. Lewis Smead says this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free only to discover that the prisoner was you. See, when we forgive, do you know that when you show mercy, forgiveness, you're actually showing mercy to yourself? Look what the Bible says, Proverbs 11. The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. So when you forgive, you're actually not just showing mercy to another, you're showing mercy to yourself. Because what you're saying to yourself is, I will not be bound by this anymore. And that's the second point on, or the little, the little second note on that. When you forgive someone, you're not justifying what they did. You're not saying it's right what they did and, and I'm just letting them go. What you're saying is that I no longer want my life be, to be defined by what you've done to me. I no longer want to be held victim and hostage by the situation at hand. While you're busy on the other side of the world, not even knowing what you've done, I'm the prisoner. And so today I refuse to be the prisoner anymore. Many people want God to be the only one that sets them free when you have the keys called forgiveness. God, heal me, help me, restore me. And God's like, I can, but you've got the keys to your own prison. It's called forgiveness. What does Colossians 3 say? Paul speaking. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone, 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 
Anyone, your spouse, anyone, your friend, anyone, your church, anyone, your boss, anyone, your colleague, anyone. Anyone excludes no one. It includes everyone. Anyone. Notice Paul didn't put in parentheses there, excluding those people who did such and such because they are too far removed. There are no boundaries to forgiveness. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. See, church, the the basis of our forgiveness towards others is our awareness of our own forgiveness we've received from God. The only way you can truly forgive another human being is when you're able to be self-aware, step back and go, how much has God forgiven me of? Man, if God had to hold every sin against me, I'd be in the lowest of the lowest levels away from God. So how can I hold on if I freely receive what he's already given me? Paul, in fact, if you read Paul's letters, most of the time when Paul says forgive others, he either adds after or before he goes, as the Lord forgave you. Because he knows, he probably within himself is like, I know it's hard to forgive, but if you want to know how to do it, just remember what God forgave you of. It's the only way we can fully forgive. But, But I love what the scripture opens with. Paul says this, make allowance. If you're a parent here today, maybe you give your children an allowance. What is an allowance? It means, let's use the illustration for this purpose of a father. A father has, so a father gives to his son. And now a son has an allowance in order to spend. Can I tell you this today, church? The father gave, so you and I have, we have an allowance that we are able to give to other people. So if you're going, "Ah, ah, there's no way I'm gonna forgive, God gave you an allowance so that you could spend it, not keep it. Make allowance for people's faults. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying in your heart, No, no matter what you say, I'm not gonna forgive. I refuse to forgive, it's never gonna happen, not now, not ever, no matter what you say, unless Jesus comes and gets a hold, there's actually no way I'm gonna forgive. Can I ask you a question, church? What is your alternative? What is your alternative? Anger, bitterness, rage, potential violence, potential hatred, resentment, trauma, Pain, hurt, I'm not sure about you, but those don't sound like great alternatives. So it's forgiveness or anger, bitterness, resentment, pain, trauma. I'm not sure about you, but the latter doesn't sound too good. I'd rather choose forgiveness. Because if I don't choose forgiveness, Hebrews tells me that a root of bitterness will begin to grow in my heart. And the Bible says in Hebrews that it begins to corrupt many because what you stay connected to doesn't just affect you, it affects everyone around you. So often, what do we wanna do? We want to get vindicated. I will get revenge. I don't know how, I don't know where, but that person will know. But here's the thing, church. Revenge lowers you to the level of your offender, but forgiveness raises you to the level of your savior, amen? And you're here right now. Revenge lowers you to the level of your offender. Forgiveness raises you to the level of your Savior. 
So what will you choose today? And can I say this to someone, because I, I know people say this, but when will they apologize? Can I free some of you? Forgiveness doesn't require an apology. In fact, let me deeply discourage you this morning as you come to the 8.30 service. Some of you are waiting on something that someone will never give. In fact, some of you are waiting for something that someone will never give, and they don't even care. Man, that's an encouraging word this morning. How many of you know? There's some, in fact, there's some people who don't even know what they did. They have no idea, and, we, and we're angry, and we're bitter. If you're waiting, let me, let me put it like this. How many of you agree God commands forgiveness? He doesn't suggest it. He doesn't say, Jesus, through Christ, we have been forgiven, but when you feel like it, you can forgive someone else. But I'm good if you don't, because I understand completely. Now, everywhere you read about forgiveness, God says, do it. So there's no gray area about forgiveness. Can we all agree on that for a moment? So, if I am required to be a forgiving person, then that means my forgiveness rests solely with me. It means that I do not require the participation of another person. Because if forgiveness is dependent on another person's willingness to repent, then I am kept in the position of a victim and the other person holds power forever. Why would a good God require you to do something as an act of obedience, but then make it impossible for you to do it? Because they didn't say sorry. Forgiveness doesn't require an apology. It requires a decision that follows a process. I love what the Bible says in Luke 6. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Number three, is someone being helped this morning? I trust God. I trust God's Spirit is doing something. Number three, get connected to healthy people. Get connected to healthy people. Hurt people, hurt people, but healthy people help people. And God wants to make you healthy, not so that you can just be healthy for healthy's sake, but so that you can now be a testimony. You can now be someone who helps other people who are going through hurt, who are going through pain who are going through difficulty. In Mark chapter two, many of you will probably know the story. The Bible says a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to, him, to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Let me, let me interject and put my own parentheses there for a moment. Some healthy able men came, bringing him a hurt, paralyzed man. How many of you know, how many of you know when you're hurt, when you're paralyzed and you don't deal with it, you will always have a paralyzed area of your life. Until you bring your hurt to Jesus, there will always be an area of your life that is paralyzed. There will always be an area of your life that is not completely whole, if you will. Goes on to say, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on when Jesus saw their faith. Not, not, not his faith, their faith. The power of faith-filled people in your life 
who can bring you to the feet of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. If you see the rest of the story, he stands up and he walks out healed. Church, when we are hurt, one of the best things you can do is get connected to healthy people because healthy people will bring you into the presence of God. Healthy people will pray over you, pray for you, speak God's word into your life. Healthy people will lift your faith. Healthy people will encourage your heart. Healthy people will carry you through difficult times. Healthy people will drag you to church when you go, I don't want to, I don't feel like it. They'll say, you are going whether you like it or not. I will come pick you up and I'll stand outside your gate until you get in my car. That's what healthy people do. Healthy people will go, if the door's shut, I'm breaking the roof, but friend, you're gonna be healed. And I'm not letting you go down a dark road. Get connected to healthy people because connected people become healed people, but isolated people stay hurt people. Why is volunteering in a volunteering team so important? It's not just about the task. It's that you get healthy people around you, that when you're going through difficulty, you have a team of people who will pick you up and will carry you into the presence of God. Why is connect groups so important? Because healthy people around you who will pick you up and carry you into the presence of God. Healthy people will help you. Number four, the final point today is this. Determined to see beyond and make a fresh start. Determined to see beyond and make a fresh start. You know, when we carry our hurt and we live in hurt, what do we tend to do? We tend to remain focused on our hurt. On our past, our li- our lens becomes the, l- the our life, our hurt becomes the lens through which we look at life. We get stuck, focused only what's on behind us, instead of what's before us, and that is the goal of the enemy. If the enemy can get your eyes off of God, it can cause you to look down in your problems, and if he can get you to wander through life like this, you will reach the end of your life and never fulfill what God has for you. The enemy wants to keep you trapped, wants to keep you bound, and wants to keep you hurt. But God wants to set us free. And today, church, every single person who's sitting in this auditorium, I don't know how big your hurt is, I don't know how small it is, but there is one blanket coat statement for every single one here. Every person has the power today to make a decision that will change their lives for the rest of their lives. You have a decision. I can't make it for you. Jesus can't make it for you. The church can't make it for you. Pastor Andre and Vilma can't make it for you. You need to make it. You need to be able to go, today, I cut the cord. Today, I leave my hurt at the altar. Today, it stays over here, and I walk out here a different person. You, now, I'm not saying you're magically gonna wake up tomorrow and go, wow, I'm, I can't even remember what was going on. In fact, let me say this. Some of you will probably wake up tomorrow and go, I don't feel any different. But you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna go, I'm going to choose again on Monday. I'm going to choose again on Tuesday. I'm going to choose again on Wednesday and choose again on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And guess what? There will come a day when you wake up and when you put your head back on the pillow in the evening, you'll go, I didn't choose today because I chose for a year every single day and now no longer does it affect me. Psalm 30 says this, you have turned my morning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. 
Maybe today some of you figuratively need to take off that sackcloth of mourning and allow God to replace it with joy. In Psalm 118 verse 5, it says, Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 